0: Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones.
1: And a very pleasant good afternoon to you. Welcome into another week of the Steve Jones Show. It's a best of week on News Radio 1070 WKOK and Sean Carey. Sunbury Motors, Ford Lincoln Hyundai, North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors Kia on the Strip, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf. Our website, stevejoneshow.com. We've got a Facebook page, too. Over the past month, we have seen a nice little spike in Facebook likes. Thanks so much. Appreciate that. So uh, give us a like on Facebook if you haven't done that yet. And follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle at Steve Jones PSU. And also, you can subscribe to our Steve Jones Show podcast on either Apple Podcast app, iTunes, Google Play. Search Steve Jones Show. And when you subscribe after the shows air live on WKOK, they'll drop to your smartphone or tablets. You can listen to them anytime, anywhere. And of course, we always have three months of shows archived online at stevejonesshow.com. Lots of ways to catch our shows going to hit the rewind button this week. Uh, One more time here this summer before we go full bore football and so much more next week when Steve is back with us in the Sunbury Motor Studio. So coming up today, we've got replays with former Penn State tight end, now with the Miami Dolphins, NFL rookie Mike Kosicki. Get some Phillies baseball talk in next hour as well from phillybaseballinsider.com, Chuck Hickson, and some NBA discussion as well with Keith Smith. Well, Christian Hackenberg knows the situation. He's the fifth quarterback on the Eagles roster and his chances of making the 53-man roster are slim. But after getting released by the Oakland Raiders in June and not having any training camp offers, despite getting calls from two other teams, the former Penn State star said it wasn't much of a decision. Yesterday he signed a one-year contract with the Philadelphia Eagles and spoke to the media this morning at training
2: camp. You know, obviously that's an obstacle and, you know, I've I'm going to come in every day and learn as much as I can from these guys, learn as much as I can from Nick and Carson and and, and Nate and all those guys, Joe, and, uh, you know, just hit it hard. I mean, it's my opportunity. Whenever that comes, whatever this is, um, you know, I assume they signed me for a reason. So, you know, I'm just going to come in and give them everything I have in terms of picking it up, trying to push myself and learn as much as I can mentally and take that on uh, while also making sure I stay up on everything physically. So... You know, it's going to be tough, but, again, it's a challenge that I'm excited for. Like I said, it's better to sit, sit on the couch. A
1: place with five quarterbacks kind of puts you in a roster crunch. What made this opportunity appealing to you, or was it simply the fact that it was an NFL job?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I think, um, I think obviously talking with what uh, he had asked me earlier, I think uh, Coach Peterson and Coach Taylor and all those guys uh, do a great job. So I think for me um, – you know, being able to learn as much as I can from those that those specific individuals, I think, made it a good opportunity. And uh, you know, I got a lot of respect for Carson. We came out together, so being able to kind of pick his brain—he's been in the system for a long time—and and Nick obviously has had his whole—it's had a lot of things going on in his career. So, you know, I thought it'd be a good opportunity to come in, learn, push myself, compete, um, and get back in. So,
0: why didn't it work with the Jets?
2: You know, I don't. I don't know. I'm not going to really dwell on the past. Like I said, you know, I've had a lot of time to reflect and a lot of time to work. Um, it's offseason, and you know, that's been my focus. And I'm just you know, I'm happy to be here. I'm living it alone. What happened in Oakland? Practice today? What were the conversations like with all of
0: the quarterbacks that mm-hmm. with built across Taylor? What were those conversations
2: like? Yeah, they were good. I mean, we're just trying to cover as much as we could uh, on the fly. You know, it helps getting those mental reps and then studying tonight, being able to look over the concepts, the protections, the formations, all those things. Uh, Being able to see it, you know, I'm going to see it. I saw it at practice. I'm going to see it here in the meeting room in a a little bit, and I'm going to see it again later on tonight. So, um, you know, seeing it three or four times, then being able to go over and look at it again tonight, it really helps submit things. So, you know, like I said, it's a process, and I'm just enjoying it.
1: Christian Hackenberg, former Penn State quarterback, they're talking to the media this morning at Philadelphia Eagles. Training camp went through his first practice watching but not participating in any team drills. He stayed after practice for about 20 minutes or so, throwing to a few teammates. And it was last Thursday night, the... Eagles fell to the Steelers 31-14 in the first NFL preseason game of the 2018 season. Next up for Philadelphia, they'll be traveling to Foxborough Thursday night to take on the New England Patriots. You can catch the Eagles live on Eagle 107, pregame at 6.30. Marilyn Mike will have the call beginning at 7.30. Not too long ago here on the Steve Jones Show, we discussed Big Ten Conference injury reports. Availability reports. In other words, who's hurt? All
3: right. And James Franklin's always had a standard policy, and the standard policy has been quite simple. If a guy can't play and is out for the season, he's out for the season, then they'll report it. Well, that's not how they do things in the NFL. In the NFL and this goes back to the '50s they tell you whether a guy is out, doubtful, questionable.
4: And that's it. Now there's no more probable.
3: Yeah, no more probable. If you're not in the list, you know, it's assumed you're probable. All right. Um The suit used to say to me day to day, I said, Suit, aren't we all? All right, so
4: <laughs> That is true. <laughs> it confused
3: him. All right, so oh. Oh, Uh, yeah, he's got to kick going to college It's he's kind of locked up in. Yeah. And the uh, now it's been proposed that college football, or the Big Ten, does the same thing. And a lot of people are in favor of it. Believe it or not, guess who's in favor of it? Jim Harbaugh. The guy who doesn't even put out a uh, depth chart. Then put out a depth chart. He's in favor of it. Huh? What? Okay. I mean, now remember, for years in the NFL he had to live with it. I mean, he had to live with this in the NFL. And that's why the the, the depth chart thing always baffled me. And I thought, this guy in the NFL, I mean, what the heck? You know, and he won that way. He did fine. But now there's been talk about doing these availability reports as they call them, in college football. So James Franklin was asked about that. And some of his quotes today include, he says, the problem is how are you going to enforce all these things? Which he is is correct about that, because how many years in a row was Tom Brady's name on the Patriots injury report? You can put him on the injury report. And, of course, for some odd reason, Brady kept showing up every week, despite being on the injury report. He'd show up at the game here to play, lead a couple of big drives, win, move on. Uh, so, so teams can play games with it, especially if they don't respect it. Uh, so James Franklin said, he says, how are you going to enforce everything? He said, you want each program playing under the same rules. He says, that is worthy. He said, but the ideas of enforcing the rules create problems. He said, one program is doing one thing and another is doing exactly the opposite. He said, it makes it challenging. He says, but for me, I'm not necessarily looking to do anything to help people in terms of who they're choosing and who they're betting on. For us, I want to know what the rules are within our state. I want to know what the rules are nationally. And once I know what they are, then we'll work, uh, just work around them. But to be honest with you, besides that, we're going to educate our players on what they need to be aware of. We're going to educate our coaches on what they need to be aware of. And besides that, it's going to be business as usual. Uh, He was then asked about keeping injuries secret, to which he said, part of it is gambling, part of it is our players' health, which is personal. He says there are also HIPAA laws when it comes to those type of things. Now, remember, with a HIPAA law, the individual has to... Sign off that the injury or whatever can be released. Now, okay, just standard. You go in the hospital. You have to sign something like that. All right. And if a player doesn't want to sign it, then it can't be released. Um. Now, then he was asked. You know, then I think he's. I think he's talking about Mark Allen here. He says the other thing is if I tell you Mark has had a bad ankle. What's he going to do? What's the opposing team going to do? Go after the bad ankle? So if you have a weakness, why are you going to put your weaknesses on the table and let people know what they are? He said, for us, we're going to try to gain as much information as we possibly can about our opponent, and we're going to try to limit the amount of information that we give our opponent. So that's all it comes down to. All I care about is whatever the rules are, we're going to follow the rules. We're going to live within those rules and then go from there. But what I don't understand at this point is how we're going to enforce those rules. And he's correct about that. Is this going to be a compliance enforcement rule? Is this going, to, uh, going on each individual campus? Is there an NCAA enforcement rule? What are the penalties for it? So I just think we have to be careful because we have enough rules right now, and we have a hard time enforcing those rules, and now we're adding more. I mean, those are those are all absolutely valid points. By the way, to me, valid points. Like you could you could do anything with one of these reports that you want. As I mentioned, it, it, as Matt mentioned, probable is no longer on there. Now, I don't think I don't think Brady was listed as probable by the Patriots. He was always listed as questionable, right?
4: That is correct,
3: right? And then every Sunday, the question was answered the same way. Hey, there he is.
4: He's fine, or he's <laughs> playing through it.
3: Good news. (laughs) Tom's okay. I mean, when it gets to the point where it becomes a running joke, is that effective? Where it becomes a joke? I mean, that's, I mean, you have to ask that question. And again, and I pointed this out before about the HIPAA laws. What is, what is it, say you have a coach. So Coach Catrillo is out there, and Coach Catrillo is coaching his team, and he gets uh, them in a room and says, all right, HIPAA laws. Uh, I don't want anybody to release to anybody their their injuries, so we're going to cite that who has a problem with it. Now what do you do? What do you do? How do you enforce that? I mean, I can see that as a scenario where all the players agree that uh, guess what? Um, no, I don't want my injury released. So they don't sign off on it. Well, now they can't release the injury, right? Uh, I don't mind if, for example, on a player availability that they release it once and it's Friday morning, and they announce whether said player is out. No questionable, no probable, no doubtful, but they list the player is out. People that they know are not going to be playing in the game. Because let's let's be frank about this. Most teams are done practicing by Thursday night. If you don't know Friday morning whether somebody's going to be able to play or not, I mean, I think almost everybody has a really good idea about 95% of the players that did not practice during the week. Every once in a while you do have a player that may not have practiced a lot during the week, but hey, look, the extra 48 hours between the Thursday practice and the game, uh, opens the door and, you know, and it's a veteran because it's a veteran. They know exactly what what the deal is. They know the game plan. So they can get through a week of practice without practicing and they can go through a week of what's needed to get them back on the field and they're able to play on Saturday. That does happen. doesn't usually happen with a younger player, but usually can happen with an older player. But nine and a half times out of ten, a team hits Friday morning, and they know who's out for that week. Now, I don't mean permanently. I don't mean, you know, you know this injury, it's a four-week injury. It's a seven-, or eight-week injury. But on that Friday, they know what they have. And remember, too, when you're traveling in the Big Ten, you have a 70-man roster on the road. You know who's not traveling. So maybe that is one way they can do it. In college, where you have to list who is out—not what the injury is—but on Friday morning you list who is out. And no, not no doubtful, no questionable, no, you know, no day to day. The pros are pretty cut and dried about that. You see what the NFL does baseball has now what's baseball 10-day disabled list it there's 20, yeah there's
4: 10-day um i think there's a 7-day dl now too
3: 7-day i think is on concussions
4: oh yes, uh, you're right yeah
3: yeah 7 days on concussions 10-day disabled list and a 60-day right now those are those are the long term where there's no way bobby's getting back this year um <laughs> so uh so you have those. I mean, that way you retain control of the players' contract and so forth, and they're they're hurt. Uh, baseball used to have a fifteen day, twenty one day, sixty day. Now they get a seven and a ten and a sixty. Uh, the NBA. I'm not sure what they do on it. It's basically
4: yeah, it's basically day to day, and I think they have uh, questionable and doubtful and probable.
3: Uh and know, then some guys don't play, and it's CD. It's coach's decision. Uh, they weren't listed on the injury report. Uh, the NHL, it's upper body, lower body. And they tell you before the game who's in, who's out, who's a scratch.
4: You want to talk about obs- obscure injury reports, There's, there it is right there for the NHL.
3: Yeah, upper body, lower you body.
4: You never know what it is, and I, that drives me crazy.
3: Hey, Here's one for you. Lower body entails a lot of...
4: So does <laughs> upper body. Of, a, a, Both a lot do. of
3: possibilities. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of possibilities here. And obviously people want to know, you know, hey, you know, ex-player sprained a knee. Oh, man, that's probably Because fans are pretty sophisticated about this stuff. They kind of know how long things go now. Well, yeah, boy, that, that sounds like he's going to be out three, four games. That sounds like he's going to be out three, four weeks, you know. Yeah, the fans are pretty good about knowing that, stuff because they've been around it their whole life.
4: Not only that, too, but the NHL reporters, most of them at least, do a pretty good job in breaking into, okay, what is exactly the injury, and how long is, he, is said player going to be out for? And that's how right. fans get to know now.
3: I mean, so maybe a compromise is, hey, look, on Friday morning you have to declare who's out.
4: I think that's fair because that's basically what the NFL does. That you have to know, you have to put it out by Friday. Your definite's. Unless you right. unless you put a player as a game-time decision. And I, I, mean, I think that'd be this, fair, too, for college football.
3: I mean, I mean you, know, you don't have to declare somebody as doubtful. You don't have to declare anybody as questionable or probable or whatever. You don't have to do any of that stuff. But on Friday morning by noon, because every staff meets Friday morning, by noon you have to post which players are out. Okay. And then you go from there. And because, I mean, not even water from Lords is going to be able to save somebody, so you move on.
4: So no game-time decision on your end? Just by Friday, definite answer? Well,
3: in, in other words, if, there, if there's a game-time decision on a player, I don't put them on the list.
4: Oh, right, that's true. Oh, there you go. Yeah.
3: All right, in other words, I mean, for example, last season, Friday, Penn State puts out its injury list. John Reed out. Well we are, you know, I mean, we know John Reed, you know, got hurt. We know he's out. Okay. Yeah. Now and if a player is listed as out and then plays, now I think you've got to think about um finding institutions being inaccurate on the injury report. Okay, where where do you where do you hit them the hardest? You always hit them hardest in the pocketbook. So that's what they have I mean that would be something that if we were in a room and they said let's brainstorm some ideas, that would be my brainstorming idea. Let's go with that. Friday at noon, you declare who's out. For you, and any some and and if there's a gray area on a guy, you don't put that guy on the, on the report. Okay, if there's a gray area, you don't put him on the report. Like I said, you can have a veteran who doesn't practice all week, who's who's trying to rehab an injury all week, all week, all week, and because they're a veteran, they know the the scheme offensively or defensively where even though practice would really help, because practice always helps anyway, but they've played enough where they know what they're doing out there, and it turns out you can get them to be a go on Saturday, that's a person you don't put on the injury list. And if, it's that, if that's the case, then, you, you know, it turns, it, you know, and if they don't play in the game, they don't play in the game. And you say, look, we, you know, especially if it's on the road, look, we brought Bobby with us because we thought you know, there was an outside chance Bobby could play. So we weren't going to declare him out. Because we brought him with us, and it turned out that as of this morning, it didn't respond. He couldn't play, but he's here on the trip with us. Believe me, you don't want to take up – when you're bringing 70 guys on the road – You don't want to take up a lot of space with, you know, with different, you know, with different guys where they're eating up a spot where maybe somebody else can be on there. Now, what's going to further complicate this in-out thing will be this. Remember the new rules when it comes to the usage of players. You can play up to four games and not lose your season of eligibility. So, take for example a great freshman that you have a lot of this will apply to freshmen sometimes this is going to apply to a veteran too but you have a great freshman great freshman plays the first three games of the season but then you decide hey look we're going to preserve this guy because we've got enough veterans to kinda fill the gap okay fine and they're not going to play again until December well you're not going to clear that player out because the player could conceivably play for you. so you're not gonna, But it does complicate it. We'll come back with more in a moment. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance on News Radio 1070 WKOK.
0: Nobody likes road work. Ah! And we've seen a lot of it this summer. And there's more. Roadwork is scheduled for North Fourth Street in Sunbury on the 16th. So now is the time to get to Sunbury Motors Ford before the roadwork begins. SMC is on a mission to sell 50 vehicles in just five days before the roadwork starts. Save up to a whopping sixteen thousand two hundred dollars on the area's largest selection of new 2018 Ford trucks. Choose from over 80 trucks with new 2018 Ford F-150s slash to as low as twenty. Five nine ninety five. Pick from fifty six two thousand eighteen Ford Escapes priced as low as eighteen eight twenty, and there's zero percent financing for up to seventy two months, plus discounts as high as five grand on many new Fords. SMC's twenty one two thousand eighteen Ford Focuses starting at fourteen nine twenty five. SMC is on a mission to sell fifty vehicles before the North Fourth Street roadwork begins. Sunbury Motors Ford in the North Fourth Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury. Taking
1: your calls at 800 795 9565. This is The Steve Jones Show
0: on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones.
1: And we've got a best of week with you on WKOK and Sean Carey, Monday edition of The Steve Jones Show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. On Market Street in Sunbury, go to purdyinsurance.com, go to the pros. Go to the people that will treat you like family when life happens. They will search the reputable products and get you the policy that fits your needs and your budget. Homeowner's insurance, renter's insurance, auto, business, and of course life insurance too. All from Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. How about the big golf outing yesterday in St. Louis? Brooks Kepka. Now in rare air, he has joined Gene Sarazin, 1922, Ben Hogan, 1948, Jack Nicholas, 1980, and Tiger Woods, 2000, and Brooks Kepka 2018. They are the only players to win the PGA Championship and the U.S. Open in the same year. And how about Tiger yesterday? Very impressive performance. Great comeback by Tiger. A little short though, but boy, some of the loudest some people that have been following golf for decades say it was one of the loudest crowds they have ever heard at a golf tournament yesterday in St. Louis. So checking this day in sports history, August the thirteenth, in Saratoga, New York, there was actually a horse by the name of Upset. It's true. Upset defeated Man of War. Man-o-War, the famous horse, only lost one time in his horse racing career. It happened this day, 1919, by a horse (laughs) named Upset. And what made the race of Man-o-War so impressive, the fact that he came from so far behind, and he also conceded 15 pounds to Upset. And it was about a year later. Man-o-War, who, by the way, beat Upset in six previous meetings and then lost this day in 1919 at Saratoga to upset. A year later in 1920, he was retired to stud, fold 64 stakes winners, including the 1937 Triple Crown winner, War Admiral. Not too shabby. 1989, Payne Stewart won the PGA Championship in Hawthorne Woods, Illinois, shot 31 on the last nine, and overtook 10 other players with a final round of 67. It was the first of three major championships for the man, who, of course, famous for wearing those knickers. And in 1999, Steffi Groff retired from tennis at the age of 30. She said that she lost her will to excel. She left with 22 Grand Slam tournament titles, including the French Open Championship over Martina Hingis a couple of months earlier. Only Margaret Court of Australia with more Slam titles 24 at that point. Of course, there's this other great tennis player by the name of Serena Williams. And that's a look at this day in sports history. And one of the greatest Penn State tight ends in the history of the Penn State football program. Now in the pros with the Miami Dolphins. We expect him to make a great impact in year number one, talking about... Miami Dolphins tight end, Mike Gesicki joined us on the show a couple of months back.
3: Very pleased to bring in a guy that's going to go down, at least for me in my tenure here, as one of the favorite guys around here, and that is Mike Gesicki, now with the Miami Dolphins. Mike, how are you? It's great to have you with us. Well,
5: man, Steve, how's everything going, man? Thanks for having me
3: on. Uh, It's great to have you on. What is it uh, like to sit there now, knowing you're a professional?
5: Oh, man, it's, I mean, it's I know it sounds cliche, but it's just brings so true, man. I've been uh, you know, working for this for a long time, and now to finally have this opportunity, um, you know, I'm just trying to make the most of it.
3: Mike, after the bowl game, what was the balance for you in terms of keeping football skills relevant, but also making sure you were combine ready?
5: Yeah, so uh, I, was, I was training down in uh, Pensacola, Florida at a, a training facility called Exos, and... I actually got, you know, recommended to go there through uh, Chris Godwin um from the year before and you know he kind of, you know, talked to me about it and obviously, you know, his performance at the Combine spoke for itself as well. And you know, they just did a great job in terms of, you know, building your your speed, your strength, um, you know, getting your weight right, all that kind of stuff and then um they had segments throughout the day where you'd have a, have a position coach come in and you'd get your football work in as well. So, uh, you know, it was, it was a lot of work, but uh I mean, something that you know, I had a lot of fun with.
3: When the Dolphins drafted you, right, and they called you, what did they tell you right away? Just that you were picked, or did they have a little more extensive conversation with you?
5: Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I saw the I saw the phone ring. It said, you know, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and uh, you know, I kind of knew right away, and um, you know, obviously. It was a lot of excitement um you know they they said you know we're we're gonna make you a miami dolphin man we're so excited to have you uh we got big plans for you, and you know we're uh we're excited to have you have you on board and um it was just it was awesome you know I had somebody that believed in me and you know an organization that you know was gonna you know put a lot of you know um time and you know invest a lot in me to uh you know ultimately come in there and you know do what I know I'm capable of doing.
3: Mike Adam Gase built a lot of that reputation by being the offensive coordinator when Peyton Manning was the quarterback with the Denver Broncos. Then, of course, he went on to become a head coach. What's the initial read that you have of him, especially considering how tight ends were used by him at different levels?
5: Yeah, Coach Gase is an unbelievable guy. Um, You know, both as a football coach and then as a as just just as a man. Um, You know, he's done a you know great job. You know, helping me throughout this. Know, the OTAs and the mini camp. you know, helped me transition into being a professional. Um and you know, the, the offense that he runs and that, you know, he brought into Miami, it's uh you know, it's definitely tight end friendly. Um, you know, it's it's I'm I'm happy to be a tight end in this offense. Um I think it's able to, you know, use some of my skill set and you know some of my abilities, being able to move around the field and create mismatches. And um you know the entire, you know, coaching staff, the guys around Guys that are around me in the tight end room, and you know um, the offense side of the ball, and you know honestly um, everybody—they're all great. You know everybody's out there trying to help you. You know, you know, assisting you in any way you need. And I think that that's kind of the the team and the culture that you know I'm I'm happy to be a part of.
3: Mike, the uh, the chunk of your time at Penn State, Ricky Ronnie was your position coach, and then of course Mm -hmm. the final game is the offensive coordinator, and Tyler Bowen was the assistant uh, coach in charge of tight ends. What was it like for you to learn under Ricky Ronnie and in the end what did he mean to your development as a player?
5: Oh yeah, uh you know coach Ronnie was, you know, everything um in terms of, you know, my development and you know what he meant to me as a as a football player and as, you know, a person and all that kind of stuff. Um you know, he helped develop me on and off the field and you know I'm so happy now that you know he's the offensive coordinator and you know got promoted and all that kind of stuff because I mean, he's you know probably you know one of if not you know the smartest coach on our staff. And I mean, he's I'm so excited to just turn on the games and watch the games and you know know the play calls even before you know they're about to come out and you know just just kind of you know just be a part of it. And then you know obviously you know he's going to do a phenomenal job and you know I can't say enough about him. And I honestly, without a doubt, would not be you know where I am today. Um, without you know his his coaching and his assistance uh, for those last two years at Penn State.
3: And by the way, if you ever talk to Ricky Ronnie about Mike, he says you have no idea how lucky I am to coach a guy like Mike Kosicki So it, go, it runs both uh-huh. ways. Uh, and awesome. it, yeah, it's true. Look, I get to, I got to see it every day, Mike. So I mean, I know I know what you did. Uh, uh, let's. I uh, I, oh, <laughs> believe me, everyone appreciates you coming here because I remember the night you verbally committed. And yeah. it was a Thursday night, and sure. you're saying, "How the heck does he remember that here's the reason why <laughs> bill we do the we do the coaches show on Thursday night. Yep. Bill O'Brien was the coach at the time he comes in and he says to me, and you know you know bill's not like a you know usually doesn't say Steve or whatever he goes hey jonesy <laughs> he says, <laughs> i need i need a few minutes jonesy at the at the at the top here he says uh, could you kind of hold the fort i got i got i gotta take a phone call." I said okay. So, That's I start funny. the show, and you know, you know, and yeah, usually, as usual, I botch it up. The ratings fall, and then you know, then Bill comes in, the ratings <laughs> go back up. So we go to the, uh, we go to a commercial break, and of course, we cannot say that, you know, right. because of, of rules, we can't say that it yeah. was you. And he leans over right. to me in a break. He says, "He says between you and me, he says." We got Kasiki. <laughs> and we beat Ohio State to get him, Steve. That's awesome.
5: That is hilarious. It's oh, a true story. Man.
3: That's how. That's how I found that. I mean, so I found out like five minutes after you called him because he told me in the commercial yeah, break he was right. excited. But then, but then James had to re-recruit you. What did that take?
5: Um, honestly, not much. You know, I uh, I knew Coach Franklin. Uh, he offered me at Vanderbilt, so I knew that staff and. Um, you know, when they when they got the job and you know they you know brought over the entire staff um it was you know honestly a no-brainer um you know he came over to one of my basketball games when i was in high school and i got to know him and the staff and all those kind of and all that all that uh kind of stuff and um i mean playing for coach franklin for the last four years was was awesome and uh he actually came out to one of my practices the whole coaching staff was out at uh, one of the practices of uh, a couple of weeks ago, in, in Miami, so uh, it was cool. You know, they were, they were at a camp down there, and uh, it was you know a great opportunity to see those guys and uh, see those guys again, and um, you know it just kind of shows the family and you know the, the brotherhood at Penn State.
3: And in high school, you played basketball and you were player of the year twice. You also played volleyball, and I, I watched what I thought was a great conversation last night on MLB Network. It was. Greg Amsinger, along with uh, Joe Girardi and Jim Tomey. And they were talking at one point about, do you encourage your children to play other sports? And the two of them were, absolutely you do. What did it mean to you? And in some ways, did it help you play other sports in high school?
5: Oh, I mean, I would suggest to any, you know, young kid out there, you know, play as many sports as you can. Um, It's only going to help you become a better athlete. Um if you kind of specialize in one, then you're missing the traits from the other sports um I think you know one of my best qualities in football is you know to high point the ball and you know go up and get it uh where other guys can't and I think that comes a lot from basketball going up for a rebound or volleyball, you know going up for a big block or a spike um So I think that all my sports kind of um help you know transform me into the athlete that I am today, and that helps me you know take advantage of my size and my speed on the football field
3: we mentioned your recruitment you came to a to penn state at a time where it might have been difficult for people to come to penn state you did you stayed and ended up winning a big ten championship and a fiesta bowl championship in conjunction with the fifth year players and the four-year seniors that you were with your class how much satisfaction did you walk out with as to where you placed penn state
5: oh uh, it's you know it's awesome you know um Going to Penn State, like you said, it was at a time where you know not too many people believed in Penn State. You know, it was more of a you know tougher time. People wanted to call it a rebuilding all that kind of stuff. And you know, we were able to you know with with help of you know my freshman year. You know, we had guys on that team like like a Mike Hall. And then you know, in my sophomore year, you know, we had some older guys that still kind of kept the program afloat. And then finally, you know, my junior and senior year. Um, it was awesome. You know, I mean, it was kind of the storybook ending, all that kind of stuff. We're able to get a Big Ten championship, Fiesta Bowl, you know, back-to-back eleven-win seasons, all that kind of stuff, and just kind of you know get Penn State, you know, rolling back in the direction where it belongs. And you know, with the recruiting that you know Coach Franklin does, and you know, the talent that's at Penn State right now, I think you know Penn State is only going to continue to you know be on a steady incline from here on out.
3: All right, new program that means new playbook. What does it take for you to start getting a grasp on the playbook the Dolphins want to run?
5: Yeah, um, so it's definitely a little more complex than what we run at Penn State. Um, You know, the terminology is a little bit different. Um, Some of it's more, you know, uh, a little bit more lengthy than you know a play call in college. But uh, just like anything else, it's just repetition. Um, You know, the more times you run through it, the more times you get a physical rep at it. You hear it in the huddle. Um, you know, it's all starting to come together and it was good to have OTAs in the mini camp before actual training camp starts in about a month. Just because, you know, you that was kinda of the first time going through, it. you kinda of got the mistakes out of the way, you got the you know, all the learning out of the way and now, you know, you come through and you go through it a second time and things will be coming faster, um with a whole lot of less thinking and just playing faster and playing confident.
3: Uh, what kind of read do you have? I mean, you had great rapport with Trace McSorley, also with uh, you mm-hmm. know, with what you did with Christian, you did with Tommy Stevens right. as well. What kind of feel do you have so far with Ryan and T- Ryan Tannehill?
5: Oh yeah, Ryan's a great guy. Um, you know, he's a guy that you know will pull me aside during practice and just kind of you know coach me up on a route. You know, he'll teach me you know something new every day, and um, and he's he's a guy that you know has has a great touch on the football. You know, he has you know it's just so easy to catch the ball um when it's coming from him he's, he's such a great touch on the ball and uh you know puts in the right spot and uh i mean honestly i'm really excited just to continue to develop um and you know kind of be a target for him moving forward
3: is is it a feeling down there mike that uh that the dolphins are close to a breakthrough and that you're entering at a great time
5: oh absolutely um you know i mean you look at it you know 2 years ago they made the playoffs and then last year, you know, obviously Ryan got hurt, so I think that you know kind of you know just hurt the mojo a little bit, and uh you know now that he's back and you know they kind of you know get started to put some pieces together um it's it's a definitely an exciting time to be part of this program um you know very similar to you know kind of a little journey to penn state you know you know, so I'm excited for for the future in uh in Miami and you know playing for the dolphins and um I mean I think that the future's definitely bright.
3: Mike, I want to thank you for the time. And I know that uh, you're going to be around here a lot because it was interesting watching you in the spring. You are actually taking time coaching up tight ends in the spring every once in a while. You'd, you'd stop yeah. by the sideline and say, well, you should have done this and this. Suddenly, Mike Kosicki's <laughs> become a coach.
5: <laughs> yeah, man. I uh, I love getting back into State College, man. So any time that I can and you know, any time I can help somebody, um, I'm always looking forward to that.
3: You will always go down in in this book here uh, as one of the best uh, I've ever seen here at Penn State. I appreciate the time very much. My best to your family because your parents, you couldn't ask for nicer people. I appreciate them very much and you. Thanks, Mike.
5: All right, Steve. Thank you very much for having me on, man.
3: Mike Kosicki of the Miami Dolphins. He put together a great record-setting career here at Penn State. And you have a feeling that Mike Kosicki is going to put together an outstanding NFL career, starting with the Miami Dolphins.